The best relationships are built on learnable skills. The question becomes, are we willing to learn these skills in community? Join John and Sungshin Lop now as they bring your attention to the presence of God and practices that enable you to love deeply. In each episode, they'll explore the beauty and power of living in community where the practice of relational skills and the interactive presence of God are both learned and lived out. And now, to tell you more about today's episode, here's John and Sungshin. Hello, welcome to the Presence and Practice podcast. I'm here with Tony Daniels, a friend, leader, mentor, and I've learned a lot from her. Just, I'll give a little details about you, Tony, and then you can fill in anything I miss. I want to say thank you for being with me and us because I know you're not feeling that great and you're resting, but you're with us. So, but you still look like energetic and fine. So, but I'm glad you're here with us on your day of rest and not feeling that top notch. So. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Tony, you are a mom of four, ages 10 to 30, which is amazing. Um, <laughs> married, you've been together for 30 years, but you've been married for 26. Yeah, yeah. Oldest is adopted. Because <laughs> people right. are going to be wondering. <laughs> They're doing the math. They're doing the math. Um, good Christian girl that you are and were, <laughs> and um, you and your husband and family were missionaries in Uruguay. Is that how you say it? Uh-huh. In South America. And um, you did some cool things there. Like, can you just share like in a sentence or two, what did you do there? Yeah. I mean, we were sent to start churches in the upper class of Montevideo because the church that does exist in Uruguay didn't feel like they were able to break into the uh, the class classes society. And so um, we really felt like we were experimenting on how not to start churches for 18 years. <laughs> it was the graveyard of missionaries and um, it, very difficult place. Um, and we worked mostly with atheists and agnostics. Um, but through that time, we discovered why joy was so important um, because that really was key to why people did not even believe in God because they didn't feel his joy. They didn't know, they, they didn't know joy as an experience. And once they started understanding it, they started feeling God. So it was really amazing. Um, but we, we ended up doing some social entrepreneurship, starting some churches and starting a training center down there. That's awesome. That's really cool. No. And then, yeah, you invested a big chunk of your life and learned a lot. And, and then also, um, I got to know you know of you because of life model works and people there. And then you wrote a book called back to joy and intimate journey into emotional health and maturity. And as a way, I thought of, Tony, you would appreciate this, playing the audio version, a part of it on the podcast, because you're the one reading it, aren't you? I, yeah, I am. But I decided against it because okay. I you wouldn't <laughs> like to hear your own voice because that's something people don't like to hear. That would be funny, but I mean, whatever. <laughs> so, so actually, I really, I really like that book because it's your journey. And and into joy during those times, right? So during those eighteen years, really of me finding joy in the middle of all of that, um, through really through um, the memories and and Mm -hmm. trauma that I had suffered growing up. So yeah, yeah. So that's that was that was my first introduction of you, and then got to know 
uh, in a different on-ramp, um, Loop 10 ministry, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then got to know John White indirectly and my wife met him. And then I was put on a leader team with you at Loop 10, and which I you love. You were put on a leader team. I like snatched you up so fast, nobody even knew you were around. <laughs> It, it, and I it's a love blessing it. for me to meet you. I could not believe that I was having that honor. So oh. I, I totally, of course, had known about your book and had had practiced um, Joyful Journey and um, all all that's in there for many years. So yeah, oh. it, it was mutual. <laughs> that was no, and then it's been great. I don't even know how long it's been. It seems like close to two years, maybe not quite, but something like that. But it's been like so rich, and it's almost like perfect for this time that we're in with this kind of like being at home on zoom too much but it's a very strategic way of connecting with god and with one another that builds joy and we hear god together personally and just sense his guidance and it's been it's been really fun and just a joy to be a part of and i've transferred that what i've learned from you and luke 10 into small group at church and so it's been awesome Right. And literally right now with COVID-19, we have so many pastors coming to us asking for training and how to continue making disciples, not just broadcasting a service, but making disciples in an online platform. So it's exciting. The times are, are, are really changing things and helping people be more open to different ways of being together. Yeah. And so it's thank you. Thank you. It's been it's so it's really very simple. And that's the beauty of it. And then even Sunkshim and I, if we've had like a, whatever, hard day, a long day, but we're kind of the facilitators, it's a very easy yoke and a light burden just to engage with people who want to be there. And so we just show up and it's, then we have more energy and more joy because the joy is there. Yeah. You get to be one of the crowd and Jesus gets to lead. (laughs) Seriously, I wish, I hope that just gives a little taste so people can like, what are they talking about? Because it really is so simple. It's like, the science of joy and staying connected in community with Jesus at the center. So, and okay, we'll weave those things in, but you are one of the authors of a new book, which is fantastic. And you even kind of gave me some of the writing um, this summer when I was on vacation, which I really appreciate. So the title of the book is joy fueled. Can you give me the whole title? I, I don't yeah, want Joy fueled catalyzing a revolution of joyful communities. Love it. Um, it's been out for a couple of weeks. Is that right? A month already. Five weeks, actually. Oh my gosh. Yes. Right around when all this started and I spread it, I shared it with uh, friends, family, other, other leaders. And so I hope it's, it's getting out there because I really think the ideas in it are simple, helpful ways of doing it. But can you just share a little bit about, okay, who your other authors are, who I know John a little bit, but I don't know Ken indirectly, um, but just share about them. Well, why did you write it? What are the, you know, and we'll, we'll get into it, but just, just you start. Yeah. So John and Kent, John White and Kent, Dr. Kent Smith are both um, founders, co-founders of Luke 10, of the community Luke 10, uh, which is a training organization principally. We train leaders uh, globally to be church um, and to learn how to train others to be church. Um, so John and Kent are, are my co-workers. We meet every single week to uh, do resource development and, and um, 
and, and experiments really with how to do community and how to be community together. So um, beautiful team that we form, although we're all very, very, very different. So anyone who knows us knows, wow, how do y'all work together? That's the first thing they ask is, how do y'all do this? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> we're really different. So we enjoyed writing together. And the the book really came about because we felt led to focus our clarity um, for our organization. Our organization started growing and we realized, you know, we don't have our, our values very clearly stated. We had like 19, which is impossible really. Um, And so we got together over three days with my husband as an organizational development person working with us to hone those down to five Mm -hmm. core values that expressed who we are as a community, not who we want to be, but really who we are. And so joy fueled was the, was the first of those values. Mm And coming out of that time, we really felt like, you know, we need to write this down. We need to get clear uh, for our leader teams, for the people we train, what we mean when we say joy-fueled. And we wanted to give them, so we wanted to give them words for the experience that they already had mm. to make it a holistic experience, right? A lot of churches give a lot of words and they don't give you the experience. Right. And in our training communities, we realize we give a lot of experience and not a whole lot of words. <laughs> So this is an attempt to bring the words into the experience and to give people something to hand to people who yeah. go, what's Luke 10? Who are you guys? They can hand this and say, well, this is a little bit of who we are. We're, we're joy-fueled. That's yeah. the power of a book is you distill what you've experienced into like a distilled way that people can, if they're interested, if their heart is drawn to it, they can get some traction on it and then they can attach to people who have, can share the experience. Exactly. Exactly. So that's what we're finding. And it, it seems like it's really um, hitting the target. Um, mm-hmm. I see people coming into our intro calls um, every day, and most of them have read some of the book already. So it's really odd. <laughs> like, that's, wow. That's, that's a new experience for you. <laughs> totally new. Totally new. So I'm glad that it's serving the purpose that we wrote it for. We also wrote it um, with for um, the church in all of her forms, because 65 million people right now have walked away from conventional church or institutional church. And we know a lot of pastors are concerned about that, right? Mm-hmm. And they want to know why are these people leaving and how can we step in to, to, to help that happen? So, or help that not happen. Right. Um, what do they need? So this book is also for mm-hmm. pastors, church leaders who are contemplating that phenomenon that's happening. And yeah, what to do about it. And- yeah, and then you have people, I mean, even on, on our leader team from literally all over the world, I mean, a lot of ours are from the U.S. I mean, the Midwest, Northwest, I'm Southwest, you know, you're on the East, but then we have someone from New Zealand. So it's like that, and bless her heart, she gets up at like four in the morning, which I would not do. So God bless her. <laughs> so um but that's how it is. That's that's crazy. And and my heart is really to see how we can do that in the local area. It's different now, so we'll see how it goes. But that that's the point is we have different hearts and open to what people want to experience and with the simplicity of this. So can you share, because you said five values, and I'm sure people are like, what are the five values? You said the first one, but I love that you guys did. I loved all 19 when it when I I, remember, <laughs> I did. I printed it out and brought it to we went on vacation with some friends like a couple of years ago and I'm like, guys, look at this. This is fantastic. And they're like, Yeah, John, that that's good. They liked it. But people I have a, a wide capacity to deal with 19 yeah. values. Yeah, right. You <laughs> are unique because I didn't. <laughs> no, that's yeah. more like everybody. 
yeah. Totally. We formed them into a sentence, um, which is kind of funny, but they, but this is it. it we, we feel like we're a, a joy-fueled, Jesus-led community of practice. So those are three of the values that we're right. joy-filled, we're Jesus-led, mm-hmm. and that we are a community of practice. Right. People meeting regularly to practice habits that lead us into godliness and, and into relationship, healthy relationship. Um, so joy-filled, Jesus-led community of practice, equipping spiritual moms and dads to nurture ecosystems of grace. Mm. So the concept of being a spiritual mom and dad is the other value and nurture and equipping spiritual moms and dads and then nurturing ecosystems of grace, which Dr. Smith coined that term. Um, and really an ecosystem of grace is mm. everyone in the body using their gifts and function mm. you know, as a, as a fluid ecosystem. So I know it sounds funny and, and it, it was for me when I, when I first heard it, but um, it, it's quite the catchphrase now. Everyone in our organization uses ecosystem of grace, my children even, which is really mm-hmm. funny. They're studying ecosystems out in the backyard right now. So anyway. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, no. So those are the five. I love them. And you know, it's interesting, like I'm drawn to, I mean, they're all great and they all work together, but I'm drawn to one in particular and that it's the community of practice because I think that's, I mean, oh, I can't, even when I say this, that's the missing piece that I've seen in churches across that I've been a part of and see and speak at. Um, but of course, Jesus led too. Then I'm like, oh yeah, but what about Jesus led, you know, like <laughs> experiential community discerned way. And so I joy field. So I can't leave any out, but my heart is drawn to community practice, which is what keeps me in the leader team because it's not just one person teaching, even if it's good teaching. It's we are actually becoming a kind of person in this being together. And that's how we really change and are transformed. So I think that's why I'm drawn to it so much. And what's so tell me, like you wrote it together and this is basically about um, joy fueled. And what's the what's define joy Just how you use it. um, Okay. So yeah, so in the book, we, we do define joy. We also define other fuel sources as we talk about or other sources of motivation that we use that mm-hmm. aren't as effective as joy, like duty and obligation um, and guilt. <laughs> I mean, I used to guilt myself to do all kinds of things the first half of my life, right? Mm-hmm. I think most of us use guilt um, to get a lot of things done. But unfortunately, that fuel deteriorates. Mm-hmm. It even erodes us from the inside out when we're using it, and it won't last the long it won't it won't take us to the end right we will burn out as we talk about in ministry or in anything that we're doing whether it's sports or anything else and so joy is a totally different concept of fuel right and it and it's the it is the thrive definition of the life model works definition of someone being glad to be with me no matter what no matter how i feel no matter what i've done no matter how they feel no matter what they've done we can be glad to be with each other no matter what um and it and it's this very sticky love, as Chris, you know, Chris talks about. This has said the sticky love, um, and if we can really weaponize that as a fuel, as what my husband says, but really um, mm-hmm. grow that focus intentionally on um, helping ourselves and our communities grow joy together, then we're gonna we're gonna move towards maturity, and we're gonna have a resilience about us as the people of God that is uh, uh, incomparable in other circles. Yeah. So you're saying joy is the sense, which you know we've heard before, 
that someone's glad to be with me no matter what. So can I ask you, you wrote, I, I, know, I wrote a book with other people. It has its joys and challenges or concerns. Um, so were, how did you guys experience, I'm sure you didn't always show up and you're like, hey, I'm ready to get to work and let's do it. Did you have, how did you guys do that? Like, how did you experience participate in joy when you're like, I'm not productive, I'm in a bad mood or whatever it was for you? Well, it was a fascinating experience. Um, we meet weekly um, to oversee Luke 10, right? And um, so every week when we meet, we practice the practices of Luke 10, which are um, checking in with each other. How are you feeling? So we would share our feelings. And then we also uh, share appreciation at the beginning of every single meeting that we have and specifically for plus appreciation stories, you know, or um, it's a story where you're sharing an appreciation memory, not just I'm thankful for, but I'm entering into the memory. I'm sharing body sensations. I know your, your listeners know all of this probably, and I'm sharing my feelings. Mm-hmm. And so we always begin with appreciation and then we move into the work of the day. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes most of the time we listen about what that work is to be. So mm-hmm. grounding everything we do in that format um, really, again, helps soul care and mission be two sides of the same coin. Yes. Um, and, and that's, that's talked about in the book, how for us, you can't separate this concept of soul care or pastoral care, or pastoral care from mission and getting the job done and focused and intentionality, right? That for us, mission will flow out of this abundance of, of uh, joy of being together in our pain in our sorrow in our mad angry at each other right in those moments then it, it just works a lot easier and so we had moments of conflict right you know that when you write with someone and that happened with us too um, many times but because of the trust that we have already formed as a team together um, we know we have each other's back you know we know that everyone's trying to make each other a better writer um, in our, in our paramount objections, <laughs> not, not to thwart someone or stop yeah. them, right. But to really make it better. So I think those, those things were difficult moments, but mm-hmm. be housed in the rhythms that we have, it made it uh, beautiful. And we practiced, we practiced what we were writing about over and over and over. <laughs> Thank God for the rhythms that existed before writing the book, because that's the beauty of, of this. And so I love the story because I think that's like it. I know you and I know that you're living this out, but people don't know. You could just have written a book together, but I know you practiced it. I know you encountered real life, like tension and struggles and you did it. And the, but I like even what you said. So for your, just let's call it a business meeting for the organization. The standing way you do it is you check in heart to heart and you share an appreciation moment, which has, has a, a full thing. That's how you start every business meeting. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people think, wow, that would waste so much time. We would never get anything done, right? And some some days feel that way because we spend most of our time just doing that. And then we have like 10 minutes left to like work, quote work, you know, um, and, and we'll walk away and think, wow, that wasn't very productive. But then we look back on a month and we see everything that God's done in our organization in a month. And we go, wow, how did, when did that happen? <laughs> because we feel like we're spending so much time keeping the relationships and keeping each other joy fueled. But, but it's just amazing what mission flows out of that. Yeah, well, then I just wanted to highlight the fact that that's just the standing way you do a business meeting. Yeah. And that's, that's beautiful. And I know the fruit of it, too. And I'm, sometimes I actually 
wouldn't do it. And then you get the effects of it. Like, yes, you can get a little bit more done in the short time, but then the, the relational drift, then that creates a lot of um, friction. I mean, not even just relational friction, but just like it's less efficient is kind of what I'm trying to say. Like staying relationally connected is the most efficient way forward. Yeah, it really is. And, and our, the, the other uh, employees that we have with our organization, you know, will be the first to tell you, I, they've never worked for an organization that cares about their feelings. <laughs> and, right. and we do get a lot done. Um, so yes. it is amazing how that works. But yeah, when there's high trust and high joy, people, people tend to be able to do a lot more work. Yeah. And so the, um, so the, the talk about the motivations, different motivation systems that we personally have, we as organizations have, guilt, um, fear. I don't know what other, some of the other ones that you had said earlier, but I, I'm aware though, well aware there's for myself, oh, as a parent, <laughs> as a husband, as a leader, I understand those. And so, but it, there is another way we can do it through joy. And there is. So, and the one thing I hear that's really funny, even, a, even people reading this, adults reading this, going through our training right now is they say, so I understand now what, you know, what guilt and duty and obligation look like, what that fuel looks like. And they said, but once I remove that fuel, how am I ever going to do anything? Yes. Like they're scared that they'll never have another fuel. Like that, that if that fuel's gone, they're just going to be empty and lay in bed all day. Like they'll never be able to get anything done if they can't use those fuels because joy mm. is so foreign to them that fueling themselves with that is so foreign. So um, that, you know, that's in the book as well. We get yeah. to three three really key practices that you can practice with with your community to help build that joy, right? There's a, a, a ton of ways to do it, but we give three practical ways. And those three practices, like, so I want to kind of joke and say, they take a really long time and they're hard to learn, right? <laughs> oh. So, so can you name so all... easy, right? They're so, so easy. They're so easy. Can you name the practices and then let's figure out which ones we want to like kind of draw out a little bit. Sure. I mean, it's, I hate talking about them. I'll, I'm just going to say, because when we talk about them, a lot of times people don't get it. It's I weird. Know. It's I such totally a understand. thing, right? That, that we talk about it and they hear it and they're like, oh, I'm not interested in that. That sounds stupid or whatever. Right. So I just want to preface it. With oh, no, Tony, let's, let's spend a, a, like a minute on that because I'm with you too. Because if you say checking in, it's like, oh yeah, I checked in. You just share like, you know, I'm upset today or I had a great day and then you're done. But the way in which you do it and we do it is qualitatively different. And so I understand the risk that we take in just sharing it with words is exactly a check off saying, oh, I've done that. It's not that effective. People, there are some people who like that, but it's not me. Right. And the other thing people do is they add it on a, a list of, oh, that's a good thing to do. Right. But just like high lows at dinner time. And um, I mean, there's so many things that families do yes. that can be beneficial. Right. And we're we're trying to say, you know what, if you only had two things to do or three things to do, period, ever in every single relationship, whether it's your family, your children, mm -hmm. your spouse, your church, your business. Like if you had to take everything down to just three things, what would be the most powerful three things you could do? to grow pretty much 11 to 12 of the 19 relational brain skills mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in 15 minutes, if you, if you only have 15 minutes. So yep. this is how important we see these specific practices if they're taken intentionally like that. Um, 
And again, it's it, the other the other thing I get from people is, oh God, this feels so structured. Like I don't want to. I want real life. This is structured. And I, I kind of giggle and, and I say, you know what, anyone who wants to play a game well or play an instrument well, a piano, right, or, um, or play football or, or baseball well, they're going to have to go into a structured practice yes. to, be able to learn the skills they need to then get out and play a spontaneous game, right? Absolutely. If they don't have those skills, they can't play spontaneously. And what I find is so many people in the church want to play the game of life spontaneously without training and learning skill to do so. And what yeah. that means is people get hurt all the time <laughs> and yeah. no one really goes deep. Absolutely. And I, and I love my daughter is it's both my kids are into soccer. So I love the, the soccer practice metaphor. Yeah. They go do like a drill for like 10, 15 minutes. It's very like precise and it's small, but then that enables them to whatever, to cross or do a pass or shoot and then they're then they are spontaneous, but yes. the practice and it feels structured because it's a foreign or it's a new awkward thing that we haven't done before. So we're creating a new habit. Yeah. So I, I totally resonate with that. And then the other almost um, response I have back to that is if we do not have structures or rhythms of attention, as you mentioned in the book, that support fruit. What then what happens is the drift is just to the person who is the most reactive or the loudest or the most powerful. And they may or may not use that power well, but it just goes to it's either the structure or the person who has who will freely use their power. Yeah. yeah. And so that's that is a concern because how do we build a community, a body of Christ? And and I think the structure can it is that it's simple enough, it's loose enough, it's it's wide enough to be you. Yeah. yeah. So, so the first thing that we do intentionally to practice, right, is um, what we call the check-in, like you said. And, and it, it is very simple. Most people probably do this. They, they just might not hone it as a practice mm-hmm. and, and build the skill. But it's, we share our emotions with each other, which I know sounds very weird, but, you know, very biblical because David definitely shared his emotions with his own heart, with God, mm-hmm. with others freely mm-hmm. um, through his writing. And so, um, you know, we do it and we we try to train people to be able to check in with themselves and discern their emotions and then be able to communicate that within two minutes. <laughs> so it is very hard because a lot of people have never thought about how they feel. They don't take time to, to put that into words. Mm-hmm. And so this simple practice of doing it every single day as close to daily as possible with one other person trains someone then to know what they're feeling, right? To be self-aware of what they're feeling and to be able to express that to someone else, which, you know, if you're doing it in that intentional training space, you could see how in all of life, then that would be very useful when I'm in any relationship to know what I'm feeling, to be able to express that clearly in a short period of time so that I'm not overwhelming someone else, right? Tony, the way I've seen you do that is you've led our group is you'll even sometimes set a timer. And and if we were well-practiced, you may not. But even when you set the timer, the thing that I really like is because you're like, it rings. And then if I'm sharing or someone's sharing, you're like, okay, just go finish your thought. And it may even take 30 seconds or a whole nother minute, 50% of the time. There's very, it's just training. It's not like perfectionism, heavy handed response. So it's just like, can we develop that skill? And at first we can't because we, I mean, maybe some, like realistically when you share, people just usually just talk on and on. And then there's some people who are brief, 
But I love, that's the point that I wanted to highlight in the way that you do it. And I think that's how the whole organization does it is this is just training. And if you go over, fine, just finish. Like we're here. Yeah. Like the most important thing is to hear you out. So I love exactly. that about how you do it. Thank you. And so just an example of, of the fruit of this type of training, right? So we've been training our son who's 10 mm. in this since he was two, right? Yeah. So he's been sharing his feelings since he was two and now he's 10. And, and just last night at dinner, we sit down to dinner and he says, I need to check in. And we said, okay. And he said, I feel like I am carrying everyone else's emotions. This is a 10 year old. I feel like I'm carrying everyone else's emotions and they're all really heavy and sad. And I don't know how to discern which emotions are mine and which are everyone else's. And I've been asking God to, to take away everyone else's so that I could just feel my feelings. This is a 10 year old and we're all sitting at the table. And my husband just yesterday had mentioned to me, I think Matt, Matt's carrying the weight of everyone on him. So like my husband was noticing it, right? But didn't say anything. And my son realized it himself and was able to verbalize it in less than two minutes in such an articulate way that, you know, my 19 year old was like, wow, I think I'm doing that too. That's pretty cool. She's like, wow. That's real life, right? Yes. That's the game. And, and you want to be that skilled in the game of real life to be able to stay heart to heart connected, even in the middle of COVID-19 with seven people in my house. <laughs> Amazing. Bless you. Bless everyone. That's amazing. So I did, the checking in is, um, and I could imagine people are like stuck on two minutes. That's just like, a, that's just a goal. That's a target. If it totally. Takes, totally. We're never sticklers, right? We, no. that, that whole river of integration where you get chaos on one side and rigidity on the other, and yep. you need a little structure and then a little chaos combined to really get a flow going. So we have the structures in place to provide just enough structure, but not too much. If you get too much structure, it kind of kills it all. And you know what I did with, um, uh, we had a small group at church that's just, we're facilitating and we did these things. And it, the first two times I didn't have any time. I just let them do it. And Sungshim and I modeled it. So we, they saw that and then we did it twice. And then the third time I said, okay, I'm going to just time it, but I want you to be, you know, free. And so we're moving in that direction. So that's just another way of doing it with a small group. That's not a part of Luke 10, but who I am is connected to that. And so, yeah. so just, I want people to be free because the point is, can we share succinctly? So the whole body of people who are gathered in that small gathering can share because some people are more free to share and some people are more reserved. Right. Yeah. So, and when you explain, you know, I'm just doing this so that everyone has a chance yeah. to share. People are more likely to, to be considerate. I never time my family. When we're five people around dinner table, we don't time each other. No Although need. the small children will say, mom, I think you've gone a lot longer than two minutes. <laughs> They're fantastic. <laughs> I love them. Way to go. Adults to keep it to two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay. So, and then, so we'll go on to the second one, but I'm almost thinking like, oh, should we just share two and then they have to buy the book to get the third one? Or is that too mean? Totally. <laughs> oh, or part, part two. So go ahead. So yeah, that's, that's check-in. Right, right. And it could be some, it could look like this. So today I'm checking in as uh, sad, hmm. uh, thankful, hmm. and... Um, tender. So I'm sad because my oldest is actually moving to Baltimore next week. Mm. And that is super, super sad to me. And so, yeah, I, I don't know when I'll get to see her physically again. 
um, because of all of the COVID and everything. Um, I'm really thankful to be on this call with you and to get to see you today. I love hanging out with you and uh, love the book and love John and Kent and just the, the ability to work with them. So really appreciative of, of this, uh, this beautiful opportunity that I get to, to work with them. Um, and just really tender for people struggling during this time. And I, I think it's amazing that God scheduled the book of the release of the book during COVID-19. I had no idea, right? We were supposed to launch it in November and then decided to wait and, um, you know, had no idea. So just tender for people. And I'm hoping that this will encourage uh, them a little bit and help churches as well know how best to support their communities during this time. Thank that's you. an, I'm in, I'm in. Yes. So that's a check-in example. I just had to model because that's what we do, right? We practice and model. So. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, no, I'm so glad you did do that because that's really like, um, besides the experience, modeling is the, the next thing that really transfers that way of life. And even as I say that, I think that's what Christians were known as, as people of the way. It's not just like they believe the right three things and then they're going to heaven. It's actually, they had a quality of life that they were known by mm-hmm. and you modeled it. And then even you and I practiced this for many times, even together in a group. Um, even we did a little check-in and appreciation before this call, because we both had our things that were on our heart. And that was so good. Like it kind of shifted our state of being. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do have to say that part of the check-in is the listener um, who is listening without the desire to change uh, or fix, you know, you're not going to jump in and fix my sadness for me. You know, you don't need to make my sadness go away. You're not going to make a joke to try to make me feel better. Like you can just be with me in sadness and be glad to be with me. So that's the joy piece, right? So that's how we're practicing joy together is practicing that. I'm not going to fix her. I'm not going to make her sadness go away. I'm not going to try to tell her what to do, right? I'm just going to be glad to be with her. And that's really hard for a lot of believers, (laughs) believe it or not. (laughs) Well, because we've been trained that is what is helpful. You know what I mean? By family, by church, by like, it's well-meaning, good intention to alleviate your suffering by making you laugh, which is something that I would do um, instead of just merely being with you. It's, but it's, and we're all figuring it out, but the goal is not to come and rescue. It's just to be with, which is how we actually suffer through things without it becoming traumatic is there is a compassionate presence of just seeing, Oh, Tony said about, her daughter moving and oh, I get that. I'm, I see that. And cause you love your daughter so much. That makes sense. Yeah. Simple. And so we're learning a way of life that is, it's not complicated, but we have habits that are deeply entrenched that letting go of is actually the challenge. Yeah. So yeah. it's beautiful. And, and I think we can stop there. I mean, as far as like the, the steps, cause yeah. that really, the key one. The, the only the other things we share about is how to do that with yourself, yeah. um, how to how to check in with yourself, and how to what does that look like? Um, and that might be a really new concept for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and and John does a fantastic job going into kind of the biblical basis for speaking to yourself um, or being in contact with different parts of you or different different um, 
facets of you that feel differently because, you know, there might be a part of me that feels really angry at a situation, but then another part of me that feels very sad about a situation. And then maybe another part of me that feels guilty, like maybe I caused this, right? So we are very multifaceted as humans. And so um, a beautiful chapter in there as well on how do we how do we build joy on the inside with God and with ourselves? And how do we learn to be with ourselves and be glad to be with all parts of, you know, all of the emotions going on inside of ourselves? Because that's a piece I think that's been missing in the church. Um, that if we can't be glad to be with us when we're feeling guilty or shamed or angry, then we really can't offer that presence to other people either. Yeah, that's true. What What is in our heart flows to others. And so that's beautiful. Yeah, and yeah. Do we, what's your, um, well, the other one was, can you just comment on the uh, feeling appreciation? Because I think that Jim Wilder has a great short blog post on creating a new normal, which is the simplicity of just creating that like island of peace or appreciation. And so can you just comment a little bit about that? Because I want people to even have their appetite wet so that they can yeah for it. Yeah, totally. Um, uh, we, you know, I think in the church we we are we border on this a lot when we talk about Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. And we tell people to make a list, you know, make a list of what you're thankful for. And I totally appreciate that. And I don't want to act like it's it's not valuable. Um, that 100 gifts, I think, are is was it 100 gifts, a thousand gifts. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, it was life changing for me. Yeah. Her book, I can't remember her name, but that book was life changing for me. And I I so appreciate that whole movement. So I'm not trying to. Yeah. To say anything bad against that movement when I say this, but moving from making a list and saying I'm thankful for things is very different than actually feeling appreciation mm-hmm. for them. Um, because that, you know, verbally saying, thank thank you, God, for this tree. Thank you for water today. Thank you. You know, that's a, that's a very one-sided brained thing where I'm doing that out of the intellectual side of my brain. Right. Whereas, um, when I get into how it makes me feel that I have water, how does it make me feel that I get to look at these trees? Then I'm incorporating um, the other part of my brain or my heart, you know, and some people would talk about their brain and their heart. Um, And God wants us to love the Lord, our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. So it's a very holistic experience when we enter into the presence of God. Um, or do anything, it should be a holistic experience. And so when we enter into appreciation for us, it's, it's a memory. It really is a memory um, or a moment that we capture. And someone said to me the other day, I think I like to define it as it was a good moment to be alive. <laughs> I thought that's really nice because we're trying to get it. How do you define this, right? And for me, I say it's one of these moments where you're just like in awe mm-hmm. or you're just like, oh, wow, you know, or it's... Um, it's overwhelming because you're speechless because it's so beautiful, right? Or it's just a moment when you're fully present. That's another way of explaining it. I came, I became fully present and, yeah. and I, I was thankful. I was appreciative of something. Um, and, but I loved that. It's a, it was a good moment yeah. to be alive. I like that too. I like that a lot. <laughs> and a really, really, and a lot of people take it to spiritual places all the time and, and you can, but you don't have to. It For me, one of my most favorite, favorite appreciation stories was when my son was three years old and we were walking into the mall and um, he had, he put his little hand in my hand and I could feel just his little bitty, bitty fingers, pudgy, you know, fingers in my hand. And in that moment I was present, you know, a lot of moments I would just not even notice his hand. Right. Mm -hmm. But that moment I was present, felt Mm -hmm. his little chubby fingers in my hand and immediately thought, 
this hand will never be this size again. Mm-hmm. It's going to grow every day and it will never be this size. And I started to cry. I mean, just, just immediately because I was so thankful for that little bitty pudgy hand. And he looked at me and he was like, mama. And I looked at him and we just connected with this lightning joy, right? Eye to eye connection. And then he starts jumping up and down because it's so much that he's so happy to be with me that we skip and hop into the mall. And I remember people looking at us like, what in the world? Like, what are they excited about? <laughs> oh my gosh, that is a beautiful, beautiful memory. I love it. Yeah, and I just felt so um, thankful for being his mommy, you know, but so <laughs> so in awe of the moment, right? So it can be something that simple that yeah. blows your mind, you know? And, and then it can be something that simple that wasn't even impactful in the moment, but as you remember it, it impacts you that way. You know? mm-hmm. So that's our appreciation stories and what they do for us is they rewire our entire brain to look for more moments like that. Yeah. They give us resilience um, and they help us uh, actually connect to God even in the middle of trauma. Yep. So very powerful to practice. It is. And even when, and I'm sure you guys have known this too, but it's, as Sung Shim and I study the brain science of this, like Porges and Vander Kolk and all these, that ne- it's neuroception is like our ability to detect. And then interoception is detect what's going on inside of us. And the more, it's a very unusual skill that most of us haven't practiced, but it's something we can grow in. And if we can, oh, I notice my shoulders relax. My breathing is more full. My heart is warm. Those are actually really vital. And it is a sign of mental health. So these simple skills and practices that we engage in actually move us towards integration, mental health, emotional, spiritual health. We can connect with ourselves, connect with God, connect with those people who are around us. So it's so, so I, that's why I love the work that you are a part of, that you are doing. And I learn from you all the time. So it's been fantastic. It's mutual. Thank you so much for having me today. What's your, where, where should people go? I mean, like I know the book is on Amazon and then the website. Yep. Books on Amazon. Website's easy. It's lk10.com. So not too complicated. Nope. <laughs> Very easy. Um, and, you know, we have every Monday I'm doing something called Community in Quarantine and that, that will be up on the website soon. Uh, it's on our Facebook pages right now, but and it's just an hour and a half um, lightning <laughs> uh, church 101 course, really in an hour and a half for mm-hmm. pastors, small group leaders, professional Christians who are trying to figure out what do I do with my community right now during this. Mm-hmm. And so I'm offering that weekly uh, for now um, during COVID-19. And uh, so if you know any pastors that are interested in trying to learn these rhythms in a, in a quicker way so that they can then listen around how to how to transform their communities into more joyful communities. Um, that's happening on Mondays and I can send you the link to that as well. Yeah, please do. That's awesome. So I love, I love what you guys are doing and just you and your family. So thank you so much for being with me. It's been really good. So thank you. Thanks for having me, John. God bless you, Tony. Too. May God bless you. And may we become the kind of people who experience the God who sees us, who hears us, and who knows the depth of what we are going through, so that we know that he is with us, and he is doing something about this by strengthening our spirits. May we become the people of love. Amen.